No, no, no. She's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how-to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737-WWTN. That's 737-9986. So here's your host, financial counselor and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. G'day, I'm Dr. Friday, and the doctor is in the house. We are live here today, so you can join us at 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. I am an enrolled agent licensed by the Internal Revenue Service to do representation and taxation. So guys, that's pretty much what I do. So if you haven't filed taxes or you're getting all those love letters, there's liens, levies, and you're tired of it, Guess what? There is someone local here in town, not one of those national advertisers. There's someone here you can sit down face to face and we can find a resolution. It not, I'm going to be honest. I'm always straightforward with my clients, which just basically means if you can make a deal with the IRS, we will make a deal with the IRS. But if you're not able because of home equity, 401k equity, you have money you're inheriting or you have a second house, then the logic is you can pay someone all you want want, but they're not going to ever get a true offer and compromise through, but we could get resolution in other ways. So if you're interested in doing that, or you've got questions about letters you may have received, and I'm sure we've got listeners right now that have some questions about where in the good book is my stimulus money and or refund. And the I'm going to be honest with you guys, there is no easy answer on that particular one. But if you want to join the show or if you have received, you know, your refunds and you, you, you have been waiting for a long time, it might be reassuring for other people to hear and say, hey, I waited 60 days, but I finally got my stimulus money. That would be awesome. You can reach us here, 615-737-9986. And let's go to Pat in Marshalls. Nashville, sorry. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm like reading that sideways. You had to be dead. Hello, <laughs> sweetie. Hey, how are you? I'm hey, good. Um, uh, we, my husband and I are having a complication. My husband um, had changed his job last year. The, his job ended in March, and uh, because of COVID and everything, he went and you know, be he was going to turn full retirement age in July of last year. So he went. And applied, didn't enroll, but, I mean, he applied to get his full benefits four months down the road. He went and applied for Social Security, and they forced him to take Medicare Part A, causing the last seven months of his HSA contributions to be um, ineligible. So we had to back out of everything. The employer wouldn't contribute to the uh, fix on the first year because it overlapped 2019 and 2020. So we undid the excess ourselves added it to the 2019 return as other income according to the IRS rules on the 8889 mm-hmm. form instructions. And then in 2020, the employer had put in some money as well as my husband at pre-tax. We undid his, my husband's contributions for the first three months of 2020. The employer, we bugged them to do the correction, give them a W-2 corrected from the get-go for 2020. Mm. They did it, but they did it at the end of December of last year, and it hit the bank account in January, deeming it ineligible for um, to recoup. So, and they and so they won't 
respond to emails or phone calls, so we need to file our taxes. None of the tax preparers, including the IRS, have any help related to this matter. The person who did our 2019 taxes seemed to do it right, but we're getting the 1099 for the 2019 excess. It, they call it a, a 1099-SA Box mm-hmm. 3 Code 2 distribution for excess right. distributions. So we got the 1099 lumped into the 2020 corrections. Um, so now we kind of, we the cart before the horse, we paid right. the excess in the 2019 and return, and now the new guy who's doing 2020, is t- yeah. the preparer is saying that, well, we shouldn't have done that. You didn't have right. the 1099 yet to be including yeah. that. And it's, so we got to put a note in for 2019 explaining what we did. But now he doesn't want to do the... Could it, are you trying to talk? I didn't hear you. No, you're you're perfectly fine, sweetheart. You are a hundred percent correct, though. What or what you're thinking, I think, is correct. You're going to need to amend the 2019 uh, because of the timing. It's going to fall in 2020. You've got the 1099 SA. Then you can pay. You know, they'll refund you the money on 19. You'll pay it in 20, and you may actually have another 1099 SA for 2021 depending on the timing, it sounds like that's what's going to happen, but you do need to apply them in the years just by telling the IRS, this is what we did. That's not going to work. They'll never get on the same page as you. There's always going to be that other form. So you're just going to need to take that income reported in 19 back off, get the refund, and then either um, roll that refund into 2020 or, you know, get the check and then, and then pay it. Uh, But uh, it's not going to, um, it's never going to match up. So that, that is going to have to go. I mean, tax preparers should have known that before make, having you so do that. 20, but that, that being so said. The 2019 return has to get amended. Absolutely. And so what we do is basically redo it and take that income off, and then they'll refund me the money mm-hmm. from the IRS. And then you're basically putting it on 2020. Put it on 2020. Isn't it too late to do an amended return for 2019? Oh, no. No, you got three years. Oh, three years. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, you're, it's still within the change years. So that's not a problem. And you can still get the refund. So then isn't that considered? See, the IRS instructions don't say. They say if you don't get a W-2 for your employer to put it in as other income, they don't tell you what tax year to stick it on. Well, and that's the problem is that the, the employer was doing everything in hindsight. In in essence, he's waiting till the end of the year and then making the adjustment, which was really in the fest of the next year. So, um, and I will tell you, that's fairly typical in those kind of situations. So, you know, it, it just, if you try to keep it in the year that it happened, the IRS is always going to have a 1099 SA in another year. They're going to double charge you. They won't care what you put on 19 because they have no documentation for it. Oh, interesting. So now yeah. we can't recoup, the, the, the employer recoup the 2020 money. So don't we have to, they won't, they won't respond but we're not going to be able to get that money back, so we'll get a 1099, but should we just pay the tax on it and not worry about it? Even well, I would, wait till, I would wait till you get the 1099. And then I report would, it next year. And then year. report it, because for them to reconcile, they will have to issue it. So but it, it may be in 2021. No, yeah, they will issue in 2021, but we'll, we'll just pay the tax even though we didn't get the money since we didn't get the money back. 
just to be done with it. Right. I mean, uh, I mean, depending on how they actually send you the 1090, if it was the employer's contribution, then the employer took it back out. That money should not be showing on your line W of a W2 or anything else. That's an employer contribution, nothing to do with your personal. It does add to the total, but it's, it was a benefit, not necessarily income. Right. The employer portion, right? His portion you should have gotten back, right? Um, a code box three, code two, it's not going to say who got the money. It's just going to say the money came out. Mm, again, it should. I mean, on the back side of that, if the employer put the money in, the employer took the money out, you are not going to pay tax on that. But if it's on a 1099, how do we tell them that? Well, if, it, if they actually put that on a 1099, I'd be shocked. No, I think they're only going to put it on. They should only put on the 1099 essay the money that you contributed. Yeah, but it's going to, it's, they told us we're going to get a code three, box three code. The (laughs) bank said they're going to send us a 1099 next year. Well, you know what? I think at that point, yeah, I would have a, uh, we would have to go and approach the IRS saying this was a employer contribution and employer payment never received. You can't pay tax on money you never received. So, so there would be a way of, I mean, that you might put that as an explanation on the 8999 or whatever, but it would be an explanation required. For next, for 2021. For the year that you received that 1099, yes. Okay. So we need an amended for 2019, 2020. Yep. File we just, your 2020 and then file wherever you have the one. And then if and when you get the other one and they say they're getting it, but sometimes employers don't know what they're talking about. If you do get that one, then I would approach that one when I receive it and then deal with it directly with the employer. Because if you're paying tax on it, the employer needs to give you the money, period. Well, the employer is not even answering our card. I know. But I mean, that way, then we, you know, you'd have to do something on the other side going through the IRS. And we can do that, even if it requires the tax advocate's office to get involved. You could, you have ways of getting that to be corrected. So we have to do get the IRS involved to get them to give the money back. That's that or no to remove the that. 1099 SA off you so that you're not paying taxes. I mean, at this point, we just want, we just don't want to pay tax on money we never received. Just That's the point. Get this thing off my back. I don't exactly. even care if we pay the tax on it. <laughs> She's like, at this point, I don't really care. Friday, I just want the IRS not on my back and just get it done. But right now, your most important thing: amend 19 and file 20. So we can't file. T- what if? Will the IRS kind of turn, if we do the amended return pretty quickly, can we get them to turn around? The, see the Nothing's going to happen quickly. Nothing's going to happen quickly. I would get 19 filed. It very likely could take up to three to six months to get that money back. But then we can't file 2020 until we get that money back? Well, my theory would be file 2020 and then pay the and bill and wait for the money to come back from 19. I don't think it's going to be that much money. I mean, I don't know how much we're talking here, but um, I would file my 2020 and pay it on or before. And if you owe money for 2020, you really need to do it. In, I don't know what county you're in Nashville. So you have an extension until August 2nd under the federal extension, but you need to get that money in ASAP um, if there's money due for 2020. There's no money due, but there's, you know, we need, if we need to report that 2019 money, on the mm-hmm. 2020 return that mm-hmm. we're amending, we need to wait till we get it back, right, to, to do the 2020 return. 
Not necessarily. I mean, you can amend 2019. They'll send you a check back on 19. You can file today, 2020, and pay that money so that it's all out of the way. You'll eventually balance out, but it might not. You may be out a few dollars while you're waiting for the money to come back from 19. Okay, so we can still go ahead and report it and then just get the money back later. Okay, so exactly. Have to wait to do 2020 to amend 2019. Correct. Okay. And so try to get the IRS involved to get them uh, them to right. the well, first you got to get the t- first you've got to receive the 1099 SA with the, the number on it. First, you have to f- receive it, which I don't believe you received the new one yet. Right. For the one, the corrections they made too late. We won't get till next year. The right. So wait till that comes back. in before you do anything else on that one. Wait till you physically have that paper in your hand before you get anyone involved. Okay, so don't ask the IRS to fix that one now. Okay. You can't because they don't have a copy to fix. They don't know what to fix. So, you know, you're jumping ahead. They have to have a copy in their system to even understand what you're talking about. So you got to wait till that happens. Okay. Okay. All right. So that sounds easy. I mean, from the (laughs) do the amendment, get the money back, file 2020 with the 1099 we have, Uh and just wait till next year for the other stuff. You got it. Oh, thank you so much. And if no we problem. need you, can can you handle doing this as a return? And is that I, going to be pretty involved? I can. It shouldn't be that involved at all. It's not that complicated. Okay. All right. If we need you, we'll right. call you back. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the call. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to take a quick break here. and we get back, we'll take uh, more of your phone calls. You can join the show at 615-737-9986. 615-737-9986. We'll be right back. We are back live here in studio, and you can join us at 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. We were talking earlier about um, what you might need to do if you're receiving love letters or if you have IRS issues, and Pat was good enough to call us, and that's the kind of things that happen. Obviously, making corrections, amending um, I'm working on a case today that was someone that has to go back to 2011. Normally, to be quite honest, at this point, we're pretty much looking at 2014 through 2020. Usually, we only have to go back those six years. But in some cases, the IRS has already filed returns on your behalf, which is always so very, very helpful. And when they do that, we do need to go back to those years and either get into an audit reconsideration and or just amend those years because tax returns were never filed in the first place. So whichever way we need to deal with those issues, that's the way we would. And then once we know, once we have the real numbers, whatever those numbers are, an offer and compromise, a payment plan, a partial payment plan, or even non-collectible can be done, keep in mind the IRS can take your social security benefits. They can take money from 401ks, IRAs. They can put liens and levies against home. If you own multiple properties, they can seize properties. So it's not something you want to just 
let ride. In my opinion, you want to get aboard, you want to start getting in there. And there are a lot of systems we can use to try to get you on track. Now, keep in mind, I have several times people will walk in and say, well, I can't afford to pay the IRS yet. You can afford to pay your kids private school. I will tell you the IRS does consider that their money. Now, again, I'm not saying you can't, but if you can't afford to pay them, they're going to say you can't afford to put your children in private school. Or if you have multiple cars or you have um, multiple properties and, um, and you're not paying the IRS, these are the kinds of things we have to get a head start. And last thing you want is the IRS auctioning off your assets. They're not likely to put people in jail. In fact, they very rarely do that. They don't really make money when people end up in jail, but they can make your life a bit more challenging than you wish. And it can roll into other things in your life, including, you know, your children, your wife, husbands, whatever. And so the best thing to do is to make a deal, live up to that deal, and then you can get back on track. And most of my, or a large number of my people are entrepreneurs, self-employed individuals where, you know, you make a hundred percent of your money and you put it in your pocket and then you go spend it and you forget that you have a one quarter or 25% partner in every business. I don't care what you say. Between Social Security, Medicare, and ordinary income tax, most people have a partner called the Internal Revenue Service um, in their business, and you need to have a separate bank account. And from the profits of the company, you should be setting up every month how much, at least my opinion, between 20 to 25% should be going into a tax account. So that way, when it comes time to make quarterlies, estimates, year-end tax payments, franchise excise, business licenses, annual business news, um, you know, all the things that we have, personal T-tax that we have to file as business owners, the money is already over there sitting in that account. If you don't, you're sooner or later going to need the ability to make a deal. And that is never as simple as one might think it is. So if you've got questions, you've received letters, or maybe you've got a friend or family member that you know has had to kind of get themselves into a tight spot. And life happens, guys. I totally understand that. It's not like we're saying, hey, this is only happens to this. This happens to all walks of lives, all individuals. It's really a matter of who wants to get back on track because that's really what we're wanting to do. Get back on paying your quarterlies, start learning how to handle the money properly. That way, hey, if you want to go buy a house, you want to put your children through school and you have to get through FAFSA, you, um, you know, you, you want to even get, I mean, I've had people come in prior to getting married because if you get married that even though the IRS cannot go against your new spouse, guess what they can do? They can basically say, since your new spouse works and they make so much money, um, no matter what it is, $30,000, $40,000 a year, that means you can now afford to pay them more money because it's combined income. So even though they're not responsible for paying your IRS debt, their income is now in the household and now becomes a part of the amount that you can afford to pay the IRS. This is the kind of things you guys need to understand. And we need to start talking about maybe audit proofing your business. Find out the proper documentation, the best way that you can actually keep track of your information. A lot of times people think, well, if I have a, if I use a credit card, then I'm tracking everything properly, but it's not the way the IRS looks at it. Because if you're going to office Depot, how do they know that you didn't buy 
um, school supplies or something other than that. They don't, they need to see the physical receipt to see that you purchased toner or you purchased paper or what you purchased at that location. You know, just because you're putting Petro in your car doesn't mean you're entitled to taking off your miles. How do they know it was your car in the first place? All they know is that money came out of a bank account that's a business account possibly that someone used to put Petro in their car. It could be your child. It could be your your best friend that you filled up their gas tank. There is no way of using that as a source of saying, this is how I came up to my gasoline. You need a mileage log. And the IRS is pretty darn strict about this kind of thing. It basically has to cover the essential information. The day you met, why did you go to this meeting? How far was it from point A to point B? And they want to see your odometer from the beginning to the end of that day. They want to know what the purpose of this meeting was. This needs to be maintained on either an Excel. And now some people can use like mileage IQ. I'm all for the apps. I think it's a little bit easier and it does track everything. Um, but they want to log. They want to see what, I mean, it's probably more important than the vehicle you drove is what were you doing the driving for? Then we get into our drivers, right? Our, our um people that are doing different kinds of car pickup services um, around in, in those individuals, how are you tracking your miles? Because in some cases you can be extremely straight up and basically say, I only use the miles that they're showing on my year end statement that they paid us for those number of miles. Are you tracking having to go back to the airport after you drop somebody off? Cause you pick up a lot of people at the airport. How are you tracking that information? Um, these are the kinds of questions you have to be asking yourself because the IRS will be asking it of you. And if Biden gets his way, there'll be a lot more audits coming down the line than there has been because he wants to put a couple billion into the IRS for audits. So let's think about audit proofing ourselves now, because if the IRS finds more than a 20% discrepancy between one year to the next, they can open up another year's audit. And this can go for three years not not really the most enjoyable thing in the world to go through. I'll just be quite honest with you. Um, and I certainly wouldn't suggest anyone representing themselves when it comes to that kind of thing. But you do need to make sure that you're dealing with the issues because we've had a couple issues come in here where audits were apparently done back in 2011, 12, 13. Some of them were done uh, for the years of 11, 12, and 13. One of them that didn't close till 17 or 18, but the individual never saw the paperwork, never signed off, didn't know it was actually being audited. Um, and the IRS can do a lot of paper audits. So now we have to do a reconsideration. We have to open it up. It's going to be a lot more work and we don't have any guarantee the IRS is going to see it our way for the purpose of this audit. So, you know, best to try to deal with that from the front end. So if you're receiving love letters from the Internal Revenue Service, open up those love letters, see what they say. Is it say intent to levy? Does it just say this is a reminder notice saying you owe this much money? It could be pretty straightforward and pretty simple, or it could get extremely complicated. And next thing you know, your boss at work is saying, hey, we can't give you a paycheck this week. Because we got an intent to, uh, we're supposed to levy your paycheck because the IRS says you owe money. We have one of those that came in just the other day for someone that didn't even realize that they had uh, a major tax issue. That's because the IRS basically turned around and had filed some tax returns for uh, 12, 13, and 14, I think it was. Uh, so you need to stay on top and the IRS job is not to track you down. Just keep in mind, they can use the last known address they have on file. And if you've moved or relocated again, not their job to track you. So you need to keep them in 
um, up to date on your addresses, even though you're like, well, my W-2 gets turned in, I get it, but they're not going to track that down. And if you ever need some help, remember as a revenue, as an enrolled agent, I can get Paul of attorney and represent you. So that way, at least you have somebody there with you that knows what the tax um, rules are and able to go through and help you navigate the way around some of the questions and some of the situation that you have, at least you have that information. So you can make sure. Okay. So enough about off and compromises or payment plans. But you know, if you really truly want to get back and keep, I have to keep telling people when you want to negotiate with the IRS is when you are not at your very best, because at your very best, you probably can afford to pay the IRS. If you're not at your very best, then probably going to be a good time to have that conversation because they have to look at where you are now. They can't do some sort of projection saying, oh, he could be back at what he was making two years ago be great. We don't know that for a fact though, guys. So the IRS will be working with where you are today. So now is the best time to consider that. And you can call my office and set up an appointment for that kind of free consultation, sit down and see what we can do to help out. All right. We're going to take our second break. When we get back, we'll go to the phone lines at 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. We can take your call. You've got questions about your refunds, about your taxes, about what you need to do next, how you can get started on if you've got some tax issues, don't have to use your real name. No one really cares. Just call and ask the question. We'll be right back with the Dr. Friday show. We are back here live in studio. If you've got a question concerning taxes, or maybe you have a friend or someone that hasn't filed taxes for a number of years, this is the show to listen to because, you know, we're expecting there's going to probably be some changes to taxes. But if you want to join the show, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986 is the number here in the studio. So basically, we know that um, there are some changes possibly being put out there by the um, by the Biden campaign or President Biden. Um, and um, some of them are talking about re- removing the uh, benefits of capital gains, possibly removing the 1031 exchange and the step up in basis for inheritance. Now, I don't want to scare anyone because honestly, at this moment, there's just a lot of talk. Even his own party's not advocates for a lot of these different situations. So I think it's going to be a matter of coming down and, and just, you know, kind of winging this, uh, this part. But I mean, obviously there's a lot of people that come in my office every day and many of them are like, well, what will happen if this passes to our, our current tax situation? Some of my clients live off of capital gains, dividends, interest, those kind of things. And you know, instead of being a favorable long-term capital gains rates, they are talking about eliminating some of those for um, now Biden's always talking about having something over 400 or under 400. And I really hope we don't become a country of splits um, because we have enough of the tax code that's progressive. So as you make more, you pay more. It's just that simple. I don't care what anyone says, 
but you know, as you make more money, either in capital gains or anything else, it's going to come out as more. I mean, I had quite a few people, not quite a few, but a, a number of people that did very well in the stock exchange, uh, buying and selling stock last year in 2020 and doing just as well in 2021. And most of them are doing short sales. So that means that they're not holding the stock for a year before they sell it. So I've got people that are maybe their average income may be under 400, but with their gains, they're now going to be well over $400,000, which is making them, if they're single, into the 37% tax bracket. Um, and then if you're you're married, it, it may bring it down a little bit, the same income bracket, but they they really start in the 34, 32, 34, they kind of stop, they start adding the marriage penalty in there. Um, so by the time you get to the 37%, it's like a, a single person can make 550,000 as uh, at 37% and a, a married couple. So singles 550 and married is like 650. Instead of doubling it, they've eliminated and you get penalized for being married at that point. So um, there are that's when tax strategies and advantages of maybe married filing separately and different things may come into play, assuming that the income is being earned equally between two individuals. So. If you have questions, maybe you filed your taxes, maybe you haven't. We do still have uh, a federal extension in play till August 2nd. Um, that's August 2nd. Um, and so if you if you haven't filed your taxes or paid them, I would say get on board, get it done, make it happen. We've had a lot of room. I did have an individual come in yesterday that, um, you know, he had taken some money out of his retirement account and he just couldn't afford that. He didn't have any withholding taxes, which... A little crazy. You don't normally take money out of your retirement account without expecting to pay some money in taxes, but he didn't have any money really come out of it. And so we were able to help him because he was unable to work last year due to COVID, took the money out. He qualified for the COVID exemption and we were able to spread it over three years, which just tax alone by spreading it over three years, saved him about $3,300. But without having to come up with the first year, he actually had enough. So he ended up paying the first year already and having a um, couple thousand dollars into the second year already there. So he eliminated the penalties, which could have been almost 25% on $20,000. So it was a good little savings for him to be able to get it done and eliminate the early withdrawal fee on his case because he did turn 59 and a half that year, but not to the later port and he had taken the money out prior to that time. So these are the kinds of things, if you're filing your own taxes or if you need help understanding how the taxes are being calculated or are you in the right place, you know, you always, at least my opinion, get a second opinion, have someone review your taxes, make sure they're being done. You know what? 80% of the time, the taxes are being done correctly. There's not a lot you can do, but there's that other 20% of the time that whoever's doing these taxes are missing simple things, sales tax not being reported in, in people that are actually itemizing, which is obviously a lot less now than there used to be, you know, um, not being asked if they had any charitable contributions or something like this last year with the COVID. Is there any advantages to spreading your, um, you know, IRA withholding or draft um, or 401k taking it out from that over a three-year period. These are the kinds of things you need and you need someone that will be there year round to answer questions because guess what? We are creating tax issues every day. Should I buy? Should I sell? I can't tell you how many times my clients will call up and they'll say, hey, I'm thinking about selling a rental real estate. What's my tax going to be if I sell it for this much money? 
that is so very helpful to the client because it makes them understand, especially right now when people are making, putting things on the market for 200 and getting 230 or 40 or $50,000. And then how much of that is going to be uncle Sam's. And a lot of times I've heard people talk and they're like, well, I'm not going to, you know, pay that much in taxes. Well, a, if it's extra money, that's a good plan. B, if it's a matter that you really want to get the top dollar for it, government's not taking more than 24% anyways from a normal long-term capital gain situation, assuming you're at the highest tax bracket. It could be as low as 15. It could be actually as low as zero if you have no other income and you're keeping it within the 12% tax bracket. This is the kind of information you need to understand what your taxes are going to be about and how you're going to save more money in taxes. It's not like there's a, a secret, really. It's just a matter that you need to understand your particular situation. On the radio here, a lot of times people are awesome enough to call, ask a question, but the answer I give that person may not be the same I would give someone else. Sometimes some it depends on your income bracket, your situation, you know, um, and where you're going with it. So just saying you need to make sure that the tax advice you're getting or that you're, you're planning for is going to be what helps you the best. Don't just take this show and say, well, it's a Friday said to do this. I'm going to tell you right now, put a little caveat out there that the advice I'm giving one individual does not necessarily apply to another individual. And anytime off this show, you should get a second opinion from a tax person. Even myself, I'm not looking at your tax information. I'm giving you someplace I'm hoping for you to start to look into and then start reviewing your information. Make sure that that information is best for you. Cause I know, um, you know, a lot of people are worried about the stock market crashing. I got an uh, email in here saying, well, what happens if I lose a lot of money in the market this year and I had a huge gain last year? Well, theoretically, you can um, in stock, you can't really roll back or roll forward stock losses. So you would only be able to roll forward up to 20 years, the losses you have. So it's not like you can offset last year's profit by this year's loss doesn't work that way in uh, capital gains. Um, there are some, if it's ordinary uh, income loss, then there is a way of rolling it backwards. Um, and then, you know, also forward, depending on your situation. So you need to figure out what's going to be best for you. Okay, guys, join the show at 615-737-9986. Taking your calls, talking about all kinds of fun subjects, mostly money, right? Are you in the right place? Are you doing the right thing? Do you even need to file taxes? Have, um, have you got people you know that haven't received their stimulus because maybe they haven't filed taxes? And what can they do now because tax season's kind of over? Well, there are answers for all of those and more. And you can obviously reach us here if you want to. A phone number right now is 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. Talking about all kinds of fun and exciting subjects, but mostly if you guys have something you want to add to the show, that would be awesome because that's the easiest way for us to actually make sure I'm talking about something that you really want to talk about and see how that's going to, to help you moving forward and what you have and how you're going to get it done for yourself. So again, if you want to join the show, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986, talking about taxes and issues that you have going forward, what you need to know, because the most important thing is, especially if you're dealing with um, 
long-term capital gains is, you know, what's your income bracket? How's that going to affect you? Because like ordinary income brackets, obviously for a single person, you know, goes up to 37 at 523. And that's what is a married couple at 37% would start at 628, barely a hundred thousand dollars difference by the time we get to that dollar amount and what we have going there. So we have that going and making, you know, making it sure that it goes into what you have and how's the best way for you to plan on what you have and where you're at. Because again, you know, a lot of people think, well, I can make all this money or I can do something like that. But you know, if you're in long-term capital gains, 20% kicks in at 250. Um, and that's, you know, and that's actually a little bit higher than that because you also have the Medicare tax of 3.8. Uh, so, all right. Can we hit Carlos? Hey, Carlos. I got a big, two big questions. Some way, somehow, I filed the IRS, uh, and twice, three times it was rejected. I don't know why. So I took all my deductions out, and now it is correct. But I filed with the station because I didn't want to get in trouble. Do I have to file the 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 tax one more time, or should I mail it? Well, I mean, I don't know why they're getting rejected. Um, I did actually get a letter from someone uh, recently where they said that 2019 got rejected. Um, and I mean, A, you should never file a tax return that doesn't have all the information you need on it. Don't, you know, taking it all off and, and just trying to comply is never a good plan because now they're going to look at you owing a lot more money than you are entitled to have to owe. So you need to amend whatever year that was. And then I would see if you can get, are you filing these? These yourself, Carlos, or do you have someone filing them? By myself. Okay. I use the ERS program to okay. give me all so, the so, Right. Well, I would I would try again, and then if nothing else, I would print it out and mail it. I would certify it so you have proof that they received it. But I would certify and mail it. I wouldn't, and I would not um, never send something in that doesn't include all your expenses because they're not gonna give you any benefit of okay. the doubt. Okay, mail it will be the best choice. Yes, I can do that before the August uh, audit, the autos close out, and I don't want to get penalized. I will get a refund of $899. So it's the money that I want to lose. I already followed no. years and years for that, and I didn't have no problem whatsoever. This year I got a problem, okay? Okay. I still think, yeah, I would, I would amend the year that you have. I would not lose $800 to the IRS. I would just mail them a corrected return. If it, if they did accept the first one, then I would mail a corrected return and then file 2020 or whatever. If you, if you can't get it through electronically, um, I would say that you then it's possibility you have identity theft situation going on that they might need to give you a pin so that you can file electronically. It's a six digit pin. And then that way you might be able to file electronically, but it may be that your, your name has been compromised. Okay. Okay. I can do that. The second question I got for you, I live in Antioch, Tennessee. When I bought my house in 1997, I paid 120,000. Now the value of the house is Three hundred and forty thousand that I can sell. I got plenty of offers. Do I want to get penalized for that gain, even though I buy a, I, I will buy a house somewhere else? Or what do I need to do? Right. Well, answer is you do not have to buy a house somewhere else. And as long as the gain is two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or less, which in your case it would be, you don't have to pay any taxes on the gain, and you don't have to reinvest it. 
Okay, so I don't have to pay any taxes to them. Okay, that that's is correct. the answer I'm looking for. But I was no sure. I didn't want to get nailed by the IRA, yeah. and I didn't want to get in trouble. Thank you for your time. And uh, the, the, amendment, the amendment that I put on, it was effective. So I need to do it now, the 2020 uh, uh, paperwork with the income tax, and I'm going to mail it, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, thank you for your time. I'm looking for Thanks. the 2020 right now. Thank you, ma'am. Okay, Thanks, Carlos. Bye-bye. All right, why don't we take a little break here? And if you want to join the show, I think we may have lost a caller or two. You can at 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. We'll be right back. All righty, we are back here live in studio. And you can join the show, 615-737-9986. Only have a few minutes left, so if you've been waiting, well, you need to get on board. Let's see if we can get Larry from the borough. Hey, Larry. Hi, Dr. Friday. How are you? I am awesome. Uh, that's great. Um, I have a question for you. I just moved with my wife from New York to Tennessee, and my wife still works remotely with her company. Uh, the company she works for is based in New York State. I've I've tried getting information on this, but it, it seems very confusing. Does she, does she have to pay New York state taxes, even though we reside and live in Tennessee? You do. Um, they, I have a couple clients that actually have the same situation in New York, California, are very good about this, meaning that if you've got um, income coming from the state, no matter if you don't put a foot in the state, you still have to file a non-resident tax return. And if your income is past their standard deduction, and I don't remember, I want to say it's like ten dollars or $12,000, then you're going to file and pay taxes. Okay. So, and this goes for as long as she keeps working in the state yeah they just basically consider it yes and answer your question yes basically as long as she's there and they don't have a operation in uh in tennessee then they're going to consider her a new york employee no matter what state she actually california does the same thing so it it wouldn't help if she became would it help if she became an s corporation or an llc would that do anything? Well, in that case, yes, but I don't think they're going to let, I mean, I don't know the situation, but if she's an employee, that means they're paying her half of her social security and Medicare, possibly offering right. her retirement plans and all that. Right. If she becomes an S corp right. or an LLC, they're going to 1099 her or pay her gross. And she would then have to do her own W2 out of the state of Tennessee, which is certainly a doable concept, but she would go from employee to, to contract contractor. So I don't know if that's right. on the table to be able to be done, uh, but that would be the only way for her to avoid. And I don't know, you know, what kind of income brackets we're talking about. It would have to be for someone that's making a fairly healthy income to really make the difference of the pain and the irritation of dealing with her own business versus just being an employee. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Thank okay. you very much. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. 
All righty. We are live here, guys, for the next, oh, I don't know, four or five minutes. So if you got a quick question, you can join the show at 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986, taking your calls, talking about my favorite subject. And uh, some of you guys may actually have a little bit of a passion for it, but taxes. So basically, when it comes to doing any state tax, most states define if the money has been earned in their state it is going to be basically taxed in their state. But I will tell you that places like New York and California, where I do quite a few different uh, returns for, both of them are pretty clear that it doesn't even make a difference that the individual doesn't even go into the office, right? Because, I mean, a lot of, I have several that are like doing tutoring and different things like that. So they're not even working from a location there and they still have to deal with the taxation in some of these areas. And then, of course, in New York, I think it's even worse than California, owned to the extent that they have like Yonkers and different areas in which you actually have, um, you know, some additional taxes by city as well as by uh, state. So it makes a difference on how or what they're going to make happen and where they're going to get it for. So um, looks like we're going to have our last caller come in really quickly here. Um, let's see if we can get it. Put her on as soon as you're done typing, sweetheart. Looks like we'll have Beverly on here in just a second because we're only going to have about two minutes for her. So we'll have to make sure we get the, the question in. So anyways, if uh, if you do have questions or need help, then go for it. All right, here we go. We got Beverly. Hey, Beverly. Hello. Um, my mom passed away in January of 2020. Okay. But she was in a nursing home. She did not file taxes 15 through uh, 19. Today, and we went, we, we got a letter from the IRS. We went to a tax preparer. He prepared the taxes for all those years, and I signed as her POA. Right. Today, I got a letter for the 2015 stating that the signature is not valid because she had passed away and the power of attorney was not valid. Mm-hmm. What do we need to do? I, I don't know how to, to go about getting a valid signature on this form that they sent me. So you, do you have POA for her or did you just have the fact that when she passed away, the, the state came no, to you? No, I have, I have a POA for her. Okay. I would first try, um, a simple effect would be just to send them a copy of the power of attorney explaining that, you know, the mother had passed away. Here's the power of attorney. I had the power of attorney before her passing, you know, to handle all of her documentation, um, you know, but, you know, I mean, just see what they say. Because in all honesty, it probably may be a null and void question because the taxes, did mom pass away with a, with an estate? No, she did not have an estate. Um, so if she she was in a nursing home and paid all of her own fees, Mm -hmm. right. I, I just, I don't think the IRS is even going to be coming after them for those. All you really probably would have had to do is come back and say, you know, income tax for these people has already passed away. I don't have a final return. You know, we, our power of attorney covers this particular situation. Um, but all in all, answer the question, I would send a letter with a copy of that power of attorney in, to the address that's on the letter you're there. You may have to get a tax advocate involved just to help you get the paperwork to the right person. But 
um, mom not being in compliance may not be something you're ever going to be able to get fixed. Okay. She, okay. Um, yeah, they, they provided a fax number. Oh, perfect. Then that way, fax it over to them and also make sure you include your phone number so they can call you and get that squared away that way. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you so right. much. Cool. Thank you. All right. We're not going to have time for the next phone call there, love. Um, sorry to say, we only have about 30 seconds. So if you want to reach me, you can at my regular phone number, 615-367-0819. 615-367-0819 is our direct line. You can call Monday. You can check out the web, drfriday.com or email me friday at drfriday.com and uh if uh, the beverly if you, you're listening still you could also email me and i'll send you exactly what the process would be what we would use to contact on um, behalf of someone that has passed away uh, again friday at drfriday.com